Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 112, When You Are Suffering as a Leader. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Lori Krieg, and we are coming at you from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I am alongside my favorite licensed therapist. He's not my licensed therapist, but he is a licensed one. But he is an Argyle expert, which what does that mean? Who knows? Uh, He wears it well. And he's also my husband, Matt Krieg. Matt, welcome. Thank you. And we have our producer and the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi, guys. Hey, Steve. Today we have the privilege to interview a deep, realistic, practical soul whose book for leaders seems to have been written for me right this second. Not going to lie. I need it. Uh, But the person who wrote this and other soul-fueling books is Ruth Haley Barton. Ruth, welcome. It's good to be with you. So glad to have you. You know, she likely needs no introduction for many of you, but for some of us, here's just a snapshot into this highly accomplished woman's life. Ruth Haley Barton is founding president and CEO of the Transforming Center, a ministry dedicated to strengthening the souls of Christian leaders and the congregations and organizations they serve. Ooh, so needed. A practitioner, teacher, and leader in the area of Christian spirituality and spiritual formation for over 20 years, you'll find her teaching and leading the Transforming Center's two-year Transforming Community Experience, a practice-based spiritual formation journey for leaders offered in nine quarterly retreats. So that... mm, Yeah, I like that soul care stuff. So I might be hitting you up for some of that. But she is a Uh trained spiritual director and retreat leader. She's also the author of numerous books and resources on spiritual life, including Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership and Sacred Rhythms. That first one we're going to be talking about today, Strengthening Your Soul of Leadership. She reflects regularly on spirituality and leadership on her blog, Beyond Words, and on her podcast, Heyo, we love fellow podcasters, called Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. I got that right. That's the name of your podcast, too? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, it is. Well, good. I need to check it out because, seriously, your book, as I was reading it, I was like, is she in the same room? Is she talking to me right now? <laughs> so I'm sure you get that a lot. reading my mail? Yeah, she is reading my mail and my heart. Uh, well, I can't wait to talk about it when you're suffering in the crucible of leadership. Uh, but before we do, we love to get to know our guests a little bit better through a lighter question of the week, which will ask you this first. What country has your heart besides the mm. one you live in, Ruth? Yeah, well, I love Ireland. I have a special place in my heart for Ireland. There's a deep spirituality there and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the beautiful crosses and, you know, some of the the saints that, that traverse that land. So, yeah, I love Ireland. Love it. And guys, if you want to... Uh answer these questions of the week. I ask them uh, before we interview these guests, just follow me on the socials, just FYI. So find me on on the internets. Matt, what listener's response stood out to you? Well, Lori, you have had a chance to throw a little bit out with your sister. And I finally get to to say, I am going to choose my sister's response, Maria. She said Israel. Her company was started there and they're all amazing. And also Belize. If you go south, there are still a lot of islands and it's not that overpopulated. So beautiful. It is amazing. And I'm sitting here for myself saying like, oh, what what country really like do I have a heart for? And I don't I honestly don't know because we've only been I've only been out of the country literally like twice in my life to Jamaica and Zambia. And those were very short term mission trips. 
Um, and I just, with the last name of Krieg, I've always wanted to go to Germany, but I've never been there. So I can't really say Germany. So <laughs> I, I guess a, a country to be named later mm. at some point in life as I travel more, hopefully. Steve. Uh, well, I appreciated this response. Haley Gar and the countries that have my heart are Kenya, Haiti, Zambia, Honduras, Jamaica, and Costa Rica. Pretty much every country I've ever been to has stolen my heart. And Kenya jumped out at me uh, because that is my answer. Got to go there four years ago, and I'm just about to, as we record, I'm just about to leave to go back to Nairobi uh, next week. So I'm looking forward to that. By the time this posts, I'll probably be back and suffering jet lag. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited to go to the place where there's such unbelievable poverty and joy. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That combination. Yeah. Mm. I liked this from Lauren. The country that has my heart is the Dominican Republic. When I was 18 years old, I went on my first missions trip to the Dominican Republic. And while we were doing hospital ministry, I saw a woman that changed my life. She was in the hospital loving on everybody. She gave us Bible tracts. She was praying over mothers that were about to go into labor, holding doors open and doing it all with such a kind and pure heart. She didn't speak English, but later we came to find out that her daughter, who was pregnant, had been in a motorcycle accident and the baby had ended up passing away. She had brought the baby to the hospital. When I found this out, it blew my mind that this lady who had been through such a tragedy had such a kind heart and was caring so well for others. I can't wait to meet this wonderful, amazing woman in heaven and tell her how much she impacted my life. I still keep the Bible track she gave me in my wallet to remind me that no matter what I'm going through, there's always a reason to praise the Lord. I need to hear more of that story. Yeah. But I've, I've been to the Dominican Republic and it was really sweet. I didn't meet a woman who changed my, I don't know, I don't know how to say that right now. I didn't have that experience, I suppose, but I, I really did love the people there. Again, Steve, what you're saying, the, the poverty and yet joy. Uh, but I'm not going to lie. My favorite country that I want to go back to is France and Paris. I just had such, I have such good memories there. It was in the midst of a really hard season of life when I was studying uh, abroad at Oxford and we took a trip to Paris for a week and it just was so much joy. And so I've told Matt, you know, there's many countries I want to go to, Israel, et cetera, but I'd love to go back to Paris with Matt just to share that experience. Now, Ruth, we want to dive into these leadership suffering questions with you, but we always ask every guest this set of questions because it's important. The purpose of this podcast is to talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. So if the gospel is I'm more loved than I can imagine and yet more sinful than I believe, when was that gospel first good news for you and how is it still? Hmm. Well, I'm a pastor's kid, and that's probably an important fact to know because <laughs> when my dad went to Dallas Theological Seminary, believe it or not, I went with him too. I was six years old, and I remember him uh, practicing his preaching on us. And one night uh, in family devotions, he preached a particularly effective sermon on heaven and hell. And I have to say that I, even at four years old, knew what side of the equation I wanted to be on. So mm -hmm. I gave my life to the Lord then. So I was, in some ways, at a very young age, aware of sin and need and all of that. Um, but certainly since then, as an adult, I've committed my life to the Lord in a more aware and awake sort of way. And 
um, in my early 30s in particular, when God was doing an important work with me in terms of my ministry and some of the important questions I had for God that I needed to wrestle with outside of my life and ministry, um, that was a time also when I became aware of that within me, which was driven and false and causing me to live a life that was unsustainable and um, let go of many, many things in my life at that moment to reach for God in a new way. So um, there was that moment. And I think now every day I'm aware that, um, you know, the Holy Spirit is the one who's leading us into truth about many things and leading us into truth about ourselves as we're able to bear it. So uh, the, the Holy Spirit in by grace is always revealing those places where I'm loved and also where I fall short and need God's transforming work. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I can already tell, like you, you just are a well of the spirit in a life that's, you know, gone through the crucible and, and perhaps multiple. And I know you allude to this in your book, strengthening the soul of your leadership, seeking God in the crucible of ministry. And, yeah. and we've done at least one, two, three episodes on leadership. We talked about the loneliness of leadership, but can you just help us? What, what is a leader? Who, if people are listening, how do they know if they can raise their hand when we say, hey, leaders? Yeah, yeah. I think simply a leader is someone that other people follow. Hmm. It's a very general way of defining it, but I don't like to narrow it too much. So sometimes, you know, young women who are at home with children or um, professionals who are in a secular environment. Um, they're not thinking of themselves really as leaders, but if anybody's following you, then you are a leader and you need to pay attention to your leadership and the influence that you're having and bringing to the world. Okay. This is just maybe an obvious dumb question, but like the word followers is a big deal right now. You know, like Mm -hmm. how many followers do you have? So let's say if someone's listening, they're like, well, you know, I'm a student, but I got like 3,700 Instagram followers. Are they, mm-hmm. are they leaders? Yeah. Oh boy. That's, I hadn't even thought of it that way, but that's a really brilliant idea there. Um, well, I, I suppose there's still a sense of responsibility that one has for what one puts out there in the world. If you have people who are interacting with your thoughts and following the details and the unfolding of your life, then, then you are you know, setting yourself up to be an influence in one way or another. So you want to be careful what kind of influence you're having on the people who are paying attention to your life. Which is interesting, too, because literally those people who have the bajillion followers are called influencers. And mm-hmm. so, like, you know, they people are just listening to something today. They fly influencers all over the country to come see this, to do that. Yeah. So that And it's a new category, isn't it? I yeah. mean, the categories, there's brand new categories for people now to define what we're talking about here yep. to define influence and impact and totally um, personality. Right. Okay. So there's, that's a whole other, you know, I'm sure several podcast episodes that we could just dive into like followers and influencers, but I guess just following hmm, haha, the, the definition you mm-hmm. gave us and thinking in the more traditional sense of it, like the mother who has kids and the pastor mm-hmm. with his congregation or us, you know, leading ministries. Wh- mm-hmm. What would you say now we are in 2020 what would you say is the greatest pain or crucible in the lives of leaders right now? Well, um, for sure, you're thinking then about leaders in a more traditional sense. I mean, I'm going to have to narrow it a little bit to answer the question. Yeah. So um, to talk about, you know, leaders in a more traditional sense, people who have leadership roles, positional authority, things like that. Um, 
I there's a there's a cluster of things that I think are particularly true right now. One is I think that we are driven um, for all sorts of reasons, and that there's a different kind of drivenness. Drivenness that comes from the high expectations of life in our culture, uh, drivenness that comes from competition and comparison, from being mm-hmm. able to compare ourselves through social media all the time with others, this drivenness to achieve more. It's it's external and it's internal. Um, so this this drivenness that's inside us, but that gets you know, fanned into flame by some of the dynamics of our culture. I think that's one thing. And the utter exhaustion that people feel today. And I think we can't underestimate the role that technology has in all of that, that we're just always on. We're always comparing. We're never done with our work. We've got our work strapped to our bodies through a watch if you're wearing an iWatch, you know. Um, So I think that's that's a very real dynamic that, that is different in our culture now than it was. And I think many of us have accepted technology into our lives in such a way that we haven't really reflected on the impact that it's having and how it keeps us from resting, how it keeps us from unplugging, how it keeps us from being present to God and to others and keeps us just on a treadmill all the time. So I think that's, I think it's painful. And when you talk to someone who's in that kind of pain, someone who feels even almost like a victim, like there's nothing I can do to change my life. That's a really painful place to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I sit with people who are feeling those feelings a lot over time with uh, the leaders that we work with. Um, I think, you know, this is obvious, but this, the lack of kindness and even basic civility in our culture right now is just completely wearing us down. And um, I think that what's happening in culture and in politics is now finding its way into our lives together in our churches and in our families. And that there's a lack of kindness and, and human respect and civility that is now becoming normal. Hmm. Um, and it's shocking, yeah. you know, when you're, when you're in an interaction where you see that, or when you're taking the brunt of that, you just can't believe that we as human beings are treating each other this way. Yeah. And of course, leaders um, take more of it than most because people project their idealized expectations on leaders. And then when you don't live up to it, they can be very mean and very cruel. And the, the things that are going on in our culture then become aimed at, at the leader, whoever the leader is in that person's life. So I, I think that's really a part of what is causing us pain. And then certainly there is the isolation and the loneliness that goes along with life in leadership. Mm-hmm. When you get you know, farther into it, there is a loneliness when you're the buck stops here kind of a leader. There are decisions that one makes that aren't always popular. There's things that you know that you can't talk about. There's always um, opportunities to be misunderstood. We're, you know, we're always disappointing people because we can't live up to everybody's expectation. We can't be perfect. Um, And so I think the isolation, feeling like we're always on, that there's no one who fully understands our situation, um, having people always looking to us for leadership. Sometimes we feel like we're not being cared for. So I think those are the dynamics I think of when I think about the pain that leaders experience now. Mm. So right now I'm picturing, let's say, a pastor who is trying his best. He's got, you know, maybe just shy. His or her best. Can we say that? Sorry. Sorry. Yes. Yep. His or her best. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, His or her best. And they are looking out on their congregation and they are like, (laughs) (laughs) what can I do? Like they're, they're constantly feeling critiqued. They're constantly, um, they're feeling maybe some of this loneliness and, and, you know, they get done preaching a sermon that they really, um, 
felt like God empowered them to do. And then, you know, they see that face and that face who's coming up mm-hmm. to critique them. What, what do they need? Like, where can they go besides just pointing to, okay, you know, this is hard, this is hard. Where can they go to get, you know, you, you talk a lot about getting this soul deep healing, for lack of a better term. Well, it's going to sound obvious, but um, the place, the relationship, the solitude place that we cultivate with God and, and the depth of that relationship um, it becomes absolutely crucial in the experiences that you're describing mm. to have a place to go with God that is safe, that mm. is restful, that enables us to experience the love of God for us specifically in these moments, mm. um, places where we can know once again that we're called and hear God speak to us again about our calling. That's one of the things that I think is is really valuable in Moses's Um, experience of leadership is that solitude was the place where he wrestled with God about his own calling. Even when it got difficult, he would stomp into God's presence and, you know, rage about it. And they would, they would wrestle it down to the mat until (laughs) Moses could emerge again and do what God had called him to do. So I do not mean to be trite when I say that I believe the only thing that ultimately answers the kind of uh, dynamics that you're describing is our relationship with God. And in fact, I would say, well, the, the loved ones in our lives, a spouse, good friends and all of that community is extremely, extremely important. Still, we can't put the whole weight on our human community. Mm-hmm. There's a thing that God does for us in those places that not even any other human can do. And we simply must cultivate that place with God or we will not survive. Hmm. All right. So I'm just going to get honest. When I, when I was reading some of your book, you know, I, I try my best. I'm an Enneagram four, you know, I'm one of those that's like always trying to like introspect and, you know, get better. I, I found myself fighting. Um, oh, I can think of that leader. That leader needs this. That leader needs that. You know, they're the ones who need all the soul work, like mm-hmm. push back on me. Like what questions if, if someone is like me listening and they're like, well, I'm actually, I don't know. I'm like doing some soul care. I'm seeking Jesus. I'm baby stepping. I'm, I'm doing the best I can. Like, how can I know if I really am doing okay as a leader and where it's like, you know, you think you are, but how about check here? Yeah. Well, um, in the book, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership, there is a tool that I use with pastors and leaders every time I speak on this topic. And it's Mm -hmm. about 18 different categories that we can pay attention to, to know how we're really doing at the soul level, because I agree with you. I think it's challenging to know how something that's as sort of ill-defined as the soul is for most of us yeah to know how we're really doing at the soul level you know the the wesleyans when they got together they asked when they got together in their jesus bands they asked how is it with your soul yeah which is a really deep question and yet i wonder if if i were you know if i were to walk up to a person today and say how is it with your soul would you even know what categories to look at? And I think that's the question that you're asking and we have to get really concrete about it. And so that's what I've tried to do in this. It's called an assessment, but I actually prefer the language of gentle noticing. Mm. (laughs) Do you like that? Mm, I do. Um, How do we gently notice 
what's going on at the soul level because the soul doesn't like to be judged and evaluated. But gentle noticing is a good and loving thing. So um, I go through like 18 different categories, like uh, when I'm going through the motions of ministry or leadership or going through the motions of my Christian life, but realizing that I'm not actually feeling or experiencing those things in reality. I'm just going through the motions externally. Um, A nagging sense of something that's not quite right, but I don't have a way of um, paying attention to that. I don't have anybody to pay attention to it with. Um, when I find myself always rushing from one thing to the next without having time to really pay attention to the significant things that are happening in my life, what I call the burning bush in our own backyard, mm-hmm. um, keeping up with what our life and leadership requires, but deep down feeling like we've lost touch with our truest identity in God and what God has called us to do. Um, tiredness, physically, spiritually, and emotionally, and not knowing how to really rest those parts of ourselves. Um, Irritability and restlessness, I think, is a really concrete one. You know, we all know whether in the last week we've been yelling at our spouse or screaming at our children or um, being impatient with other drivers on the road. Pretty concrete and objective. You can observe that in yourself. Hmm. Workaholism. You know, I can't stop working. I'm checking my email at 11 o'clock at night and first thing in the morning. I mean, that's that's addiction right there. That's addiction to our work. Um, emotional numbness where we just can't feel anything. We're unable to experience a full range of human emotion because we've shut down, because we just don't have the energy to, to, to have our emotions and do well with them. Um, escapist behaviors, um, our human needs, you know, not having time for exercise, eating right, getting sleep, doctor's appointments, things like that. We're just not being good humans. That's, that's, a, that's a big red flag right there because yeah. our creator created us to be human. And if we're not being good humans, we're literally not being what God created us to be. We're not doing well with that. Um, my most significant human relationships maybe are getting shortchanged. You know, I'm working really hard, but if you ask my spouse or you ask my children or my best friend or my aging parent, do you feel like you're getting the best of me in our relationship? Ooh, Ooh what would they say? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> um, not having time to regularly engage in our hobbies and other things mm-hmm. that bring us joy simply because God built that into us. Um, the dynamics of hoarding energy rather than sharing ourselves freely with others because we're afraid that that routine social interaction is just going to take the very last breath (laughs) of energy from us. Mm. Um, Our spiritual practices slipping or being non-existent, even though we know they're good for us, we just can't find the time and space for them. That feeling of isolation that I already mentioned. Um, Mm. A lack of discernment in our lives, making decisions without discernment. You know, that is a really dangerous place for a Christian leader to be in, where we're making decisions purely at the cognitive level, but not discerning the will of God deep within our souls and in our relationship with God. Um, And even the idea that our relationship with God um, is suffering. We, we, we're doing all the stuff for God, but there's not much of a relationship with God. There's been, a, you know, it's been a long time since I've experienced intimacy with God or passion or heard God say something personally to me. Those are the concrete kinds of categories that I encourage people to pay attention to when they're engaging the question, how is it with your soul? Mm, so important. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. As you're like listing some of those, I'm kind of doing some silent reflection and I'm like, wait, is she, are, are, have you legitimately been reading our mail or been watching <laughs> us on, you know, from outside the window? Yeah. You know, and, and well, I, you know what the truth is? I've been reading my own mail. So. Yeah, girl. Oh, yeah. Good. I'm glad it's not just me then because, yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you talk about things like, you know, the discernment piece. Like, I, my knee jerk reaction is to, to just dive into cognitive, like, 
what makes logical sense. And, and for me, that, that is something that it's, it is stretching for me to, to really go to God and say, okay, God, I, I feel like I know the answer yet. What is the real answer? And, and that, that's one that if I paid attention to, I'd probably actually be a little bit more, (laughs) more, more convicted um, mm-hmm. because I feel like that's a place that I slip into very easily without even noticing. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of our fallback position. You know, that's the easy thing for us, um, is to think it all through rather mm-hmm. than listen deep inside. Yeah. So you, um, you know, when I was referring to pastors and I automatically used the the male pronoun, you, you wisely corrected me to say mm-hmm. she and her. And then you mentioned this sitting with pastors and I just had this, Maybe it was a nudge of the spirit, I'm sensing. Uh, but just to ask you, what specific suffering are you seeing as you walk with female leaders, teachers, pastors right now? Like, how how are you walking with them in this suffering as a leader space? What's unique that you're seeing? Well, um, first of all, of course, it's just harder for women to find positions and to be placed yeah. Um, in pastoral roles, and especially in the senior pastor role, the statistics are terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's only two or three percent of women, you know, women CEOs, but also women senior pastors. That you know, you got a lot of women on staff, but you know, the senior pastor role is often reserved for men, and and that's just painful. Um, if that's not your own theological conviction, mm-hmm. um, I think you know, women carry the burden of family life differently than most men do. And so more women have um, real uncertainty about whether or not they're balancing things well. They have more feelings of guilt about um, having a vocation while having a family. And it's just true. The most, mm-hmm. in, in, unless it's a, a man who's staying home with the children, um, usually the women are still carrying more of the family life plus trying to carry out their roles and they're exhausting themselves in different ways than often the, the men are. The men just get to focus on their jobs, yeah. whereas the women are focusing on their jobs and carrying a good portion of the family life responsibilities. And that's painful. And there's a sense that you can't win. There's a sense that it's really a no-win situation. Um, and then, you know, we know that we're in the middle of the, the Me Too, Church Too thing yeah. right mm-hmm. now. And I think many, many women are in touch with experiences that they've had in the past that they maybe set aside or didn't pay much attention to. And now they realize, oh, my goodness, that really was terrible. That yeah. really was happening to me. And I never talked about it. I've carried it around. Um, I think that the Me Too movement has brought some of those painful experiences that we've all had to the surface. And we're, you know, seeking God in that place and wondering what it means and, you know, what may be ours to do. Mm-hmm. So those are several things that come to mind when you ask the question. Yeah. And, and I'm sure... <laughs> You know, I'm just picturing being in your role, walking with leaders and walking with mm-hmm. suffering leaders and those who are in the crucible, like to both validate and see some of their pain. And then like, I don't know, I just it just seems like perhaps there's extra ER care that you're having to give, not having like as if you're forced, but you are giving uh, to maybe specifically women. And then also in, in this field of racial reconciliation as well. And mm-hmm. I don't even know how to ask the right question. I just see like, you know, everyone has suffering and everyone has pain, but is there extra pain um, and, and in different or unique ways that the father can 
I don't I guess just make the ground like the ground is level at the foot of the cross but just to like if there's deeper chasms of pain for those individuals to to level it out in your world. So how how are you pouring into those chasms of pain specifically I guess for women and and people who have suffered due to the inequality with this this racial conversation as well. Mhm. Well, um the most important thing I'm doing right now to walk with people is this two-year transforming community experience we have because everything that we're talking about here is more than just one talk session or more than one workshop or more yeah. than one spiritual direction session. It's it's a journey, you know, uh, and the journey is specifically to find ways to open to allow God to meet us in these places. That is the journey for all of us. And I think I don't use the word crucible to refer to the deeper pains necessarily. I just think leadership is a crucible no matter what. Yeah. No matter what <laughs> leadership changes you. If, if you define crucible, you know, as that um, kind of um, tight space or that, that hot space where something changes, a place or a set of circumstances where people or things are subjected to forces that test them and often make them change. That's the definition I use of crucible in, the, in my book. And yep. leadership just does that, whether it's hard or easy on any given day, leadership is a crucible. Um, it changes you. You can't be the same after you've been in leadership for 20 years. You're not the same person you were. Mm. Um, and so you know, the most important invitation is for God to meet us in whatever aspect of the crucible we're living at a particular time and to find ways to open to the ministry of the spirit that only God can bring. There's a limit to what we as human beings can do for each other. What most needs to be done in our lives is something that God does in us and for us in surprising and mysterious ways. And so our job in the Transforming Center and also just, you know, when I'm with people one-on-one in spiritual direction is to find ways to open up the channels, you know, for, for God to do what only God can do Mm. in these deepest places. Mm. I just think about that, you know, in my own walking alongside LGBT people and, you know, there's suffering that happens there, Mm -hmm. but the Holy Spirit is real, (laughs) is God. Mm -hmm. And like, no matter how deep the suffering, no matter how, like we might feel so unique in our certain pain, whether it's, you know, this racial reconciliation or as a woman or LGBT or all of them you know, mixed into one, like, or, and a leader, uh, we're never, uh, like too broken or too many holes in us, you know, hole in my heart podcast that God can't mm-hmm. fill and empower and make us stronger leaders as a result. So I guess, you know, Ruth, just to help us land the plane here, just someone who's perhaps listening and is like, I am so beat up. (laughs) Like I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm that leader that, you know, I can tick off a lot of the things that you've been saying as fail, fail, fail. Maybe that's what they're hearing. Mm -hmm. Um, And wounded and the crucible of just being a leader. Can you speak Mm -hmm. to them and just give them just a cup of cold water uh, Mm -hmm. of what they, what they could drink now? Yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, interesting that you would say that because when I actually do 
the assessment that I mentioned. I mentioned some of the categories and worked through them briefly. But when I actually do that with real people in a room, I actually pray against the spirit of condemnation or judgment or shame. Yes. Um, that that's not what that's this is about. And in fact, the scriptures tell us that in Christ there is no condemnation. So if that's what we're feeling, then we're not hearing from Jesus right now because Amen. that's not ever the message that Jesus has for us. So I pray against that spirit always out loud, you know, um, at the same time, there is this truth and this promise that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, that there's a kind of freedom that Jesus has for us that we can glimpse and we have to tell the truth to get there, you know, Mm. and that's one of the really striking things to me about Moses and Elijah as leaders in the Old Testament is that the breakthrough moment for them with God was that moment when they could say the truth about themselves. And that's when the encounter came is when they were able to finally get to that rock bottom place and say, this is me. This mm. is the truth about me. And it breaks through and then they have an encounter with God. And of course, that encounter with God um, always is loving, challenging, but loving um, and brings meaning even to the worst experiences of our lives. That's another thing that's just so characteristic of opening up these darker places to God is that um God helps us to make meaning out of even the darkest um, experiences that we've had. And we emerge, you know, able to live our own life, able to live our own truth, able to claim our own experiences. And so when Moses had his son and he named his son Gershom, because I've been an alien in a foreign land, he was saying, this is why I'm so angry. This is why I murdered that is that, that Egyptian. This is why I'm out here in the wilderness, you know, uh, shepherding sheep that are not my own. It's because I've been so angry at what happened to me back there. I'm so angry at the victim that I was. Um, mm. And I'm naming my reality. And there's something about the willingness to do that that causes God to come close and to come near and to speak. So right after that, the burning bush happened where God called to Moses out of the bush. Um, and you see it happen like that over and over again in scripture. So my encouragement is to just reject that spirit of I'm a failure, just reject it outright because that's not God talking to us. Mm. But there is an aspect of the true spiritual life that has to do with being able to see myself more truly and own it and name it in God's presence and open myself to God there, mm. trusting that God will come and there, there will be an encounter that's life changing. And it's, it takes great faith to do that because we're so used to hiding um, and minimizing. But when we do have that kind of courage, God comes. Fortunately, we seek a God who comes, who's always finding ways to come to us. So that's, that's my encouragement. We have to Mm -hmm. go there. We have to reject the spirit of condemnation and all of that. Um, but know that there's a kind of truth that we can tell that will set us free in some brand new ways. And I think that's what we all want. We all want to be free from the false self, from the bondage so that we can live as our true selves in God. Amen. All right, we'll take our marching orders uh, <laughs> really in, in a tender way. I don't say that in, yeah. you know, sir, yes, right. sir. But I, yeah. we receive that because what I'm hearing in it is it's going to the compassion and tenderness of God, but it's also going to make us resilient for the next mm-hmm. phase, the next leveling up, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that we're going to be doing as leaders. So. Yeah. Ruth, thank you for your heart, for your voice, for your willingness to do your own soul work and then share it with us. Mm. Well, you're most welcome. And thanks for this great conversation. So grateful. Now, guys, uh, we really do appreciate and love Ruth's work. And so we're going to connect you to her books, her social media, her site. Uh, so and, and even that the two year 
leadership training, the walking alongside that she does. We will help you find that. And if you want to connect with us, you can find us on the old social meds as well to answer those questions of the week and just, I don't know, random thoughts that hopefully the spirit is empowering us to to post and to say. Uh, but we really love connecting with you. Every time you guys send us an encouraging email, we read them. I, I'll sometimes screenshot just the words, not the name, and send them to Steve or to Matt or to other people on my team. It just means a lot. It just tells us, hey, like you appreciate this and it's, I mean... We're not doing this because we think each other's cute and it's fun to look at each other behind a microphone. I mean, I mean, you are cute, Matt. Uh, yeah. uh, but we really, we want to do this for you and we want to do this for you to further the kingdom of God because it's all about him. So uh, feel free to reach out to us. The new email address that we have is podcast at Lori Krieg, K-R-I-E-G. I before E, except after C. That's how you can know it. Everybody misspells it. Okay. You can email us and uh, podcast at lauricreek.com and just let us know what you're thinking, any questions you have. But thanks so much, guys. Our question of the week for next week is, what reality TV show do you watch or have you watched that you like to observe, but you're like, yeah, nah, never, never would I do that. I want to hear what you watch, but you're like, yeah, not me. All right. Let me know. Thanks, guys, for all of us here at That Hole in My Heart podcast. We'll see you next week.